Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. Hallelujah. Hey, you guys, look at today. Nice to see half your faces. You know, just thinking about, you know, you trust your dad, you believe your dad, you just go, you know, I can't believe he trusts us. I can't believe that he's decided that his purpose being manifest in the earth depends on us. And he's totally submitted himself to us. And the angels are looking on going, man, are you kidding me? And he said, no, no, I'm committed. They're going to do it. Trust me. And we're going to do it, aren't we? We're going to do it. We're going to do it. You know, my, my son was out with the young adults the other night. He's, he's going to young adults, and, and he and his girlfriend. It's good fun. Glad to see it. But uh, they were all going to kind of go out. Some people could go out. Some couldn't. So Dylan said, ah, let's just all go back to the church. I'll order some pizza and wings, and don't worry about it. My dad will take care of it. I just love that child, you know? And there's a, there's a kid who just absolutely believes that my dad will take care of everything. He still believes that. Isn't that great? Remember once he went shopping with Kevin, I sent him to get uh, some kidney beans just for making some chili. And uh, he went with Kevin to get kidney beans. So Kevin said, I'll drive you over, Dylan. So they drove to the store to get kidney beans. Dylan grabbed a cart and he goes, what do you need a cart for? He goes, oh, get a couple things. And Dylan went around the grocery store and he loaded up this cart. And Dylan, Kevin's like, your dad's going to kill you. What are you doing? Your dad's going to kiss. Ah, oh, I am my father's son. And he got back with all these bags of stuff, and Kevin was watching, going, what's going to happen now? And I went, oh, that's awesome. You got some of that? Oh, fabulous. Good stuff. You wanted some of that? Good. And Kevin just went, holy crap. My dad would have killed me. Are you kidding me? And Dylan said, I am my father's son. I am my father's son. Amen? I just love that, Henry. Thank you, Henry. You're the best. Can I get a glory to God? All right. There's Henry, he's got his own business now. He's, he, he's making money hand over fist, doesn't know what to do with himself because he just stepped into freedom and liberty and God is my source. End of the story, God is my source. No sweat, you just get on with it every day. Hey, God is good, he's really good and we're in a series, Grace, It's Not Fair. Can I get a hallelujah? So I've been enjoying this and all the feelers in the house, I've been feeling the sermons lately, Pastor, I've been feeling that, Amen. Three feelers feeling that? All right. All right. So today we're going to talk about divine paradox, divine paradox. And there's lots of that in the Bible. There's a paradox even now. Lord, you are mighty. We take authority over all these things. Hand me a wipe and hand me a mask. That's a bit of a paradox. It seems to be these things are kind of, we're manifesting something that seems to kind of stand in juxtaposition to itself. But, you know, there are some paradoxes in life. There's some paradoxes in the word. But, you know, grace is a paradox. It's an interesting thing. What is a paradox? It's a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated and explained more, it proves to be well-founded or true. Paradox. Things kind of in the same thing that look like they contradict, but if you work it all the way through, you'll find out there's a truth and there's a value in there. A couple weeks ago, just, you know, in that time after worship, I got that dropped in my spirit, due season. I feel like it's due season. You? I know Zachary picked it up last week, even in the office the next week. He said, man, I felt mustard. I don't know if he said mustard. He might have said hot sauce, but 
he felt something on that. It kind of, it's just a couple of words, but it was, it's like when a couple of words feel like it weren't just spoken by somebody, it was the spirit of God that was upon it and spoke it. And it just went, bam, I got that. But it's due season. Come on, tell your neighbor it's due season. It's due season. It's due season. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not grow weary in doing good. You know, sometimes you can get weary right now. You know, there's a second wave. Oh, my God. They got to lock down again. Get some toilet paper. We got to, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And, you know, you can get weary. You felt like things had turned. You had a nice summer. It was a beautiful summer. Just getting out about a bit of normalcy to life. And all of a sudden, boom, you can't come over for Christmas, honey. Sorry, not this year. Are you kidding me? My God, this is just wrong. And then you just feel, ah, you can get weary in this whole process. How many get a little fatigued with the COVID nonsense? And you can get that, you know, just, I, I just, ah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just, ah, it's just driving me crazy. But don't grow weary in doing good for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart, I tell you, because we're coming through this. There might be something crazy. Let me give you a couple paradoxes. You know, the, the abundance of adversity. It, there's adversity, but you know what? Amidst the adversity, I am blessed and I am prospering. And, and I'm telling you, you know what? There's abundance in adversity because we're going to go through this. We're going to squeeze stuff out of it. We're going to experience unprecedented breakthrough in the midst of what seems to be narrowing and stealing from us. We're going to come out blessed, super abundant, and just rock. We're rocking the COVID. The compensation in the contradiction. That's what I'm having. I'm having compensation. I'm advancing. I'm expanding. I am thriving in the middle of a contradiction. I'm not getting weighed down by this. I'm not going to get sucked into it. I'm gonna, in the middle of it, I'm going to experience compensation in the middle of a contradiction. And then the Apostle Paul said, weakness is made perfect. In weakness, you're made perfect. In weakness, there is strength. Let the poor say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong. I am strong. I am strong. We used to uh, sing some songs. You remember some of those songs? I sang a song last week, and I got all kinds of texts and emails and people sending me YouTube versions of the song. They were all so excited about the song, you know? So we're going to make it as a, a new feature in all of my sermons from now on. I didn't hear any cheering there. Bob, is that a good idea, Bob? Uh, thank you, Bob. Bob gave me a woo. You know, we used to sing a song. He gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We might be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he would be glorified. Who remembers that song? Wow! Are you ready? He gave me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We might be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he would be glory. You ready? Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, the Lord our God is worthy to be praised. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, the Lord be glory. How many felt the anointing just get sucked out of? The... Do you remember that one, Wayne, really? 
No. <laughs> you know, but it's out, it's out of Isaiah chapter 61. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to, to bring release to the captives. And that's what Jesus, that was a, you know, when he was anointed and came out of the wilderness and the power of the spirit, he went into the synagogue and boom, they gave him the scroll for the day and he read, this is fulfilled in your hearing. I, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. But here's the benefits of the spirit of the Lord being upon you. To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. I got ashes. I'm going to give you beauty. Give you beauty for ashes. Give you the oil of joy for mourning. Give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that you might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. See, the Lord is glorified. The Lord loves it when he can step into your weakness and he can bring perfection. The Lord loves it when he can walk into ashes and he can bring beauty. He loves it when he can walk into a situation of mourning and he can bring gladness and the oil of joy. And God is awesome and God is manifest in great power whenever there's, there's difficulty. You, you look at so many people who had words from God that seemed powerful and yet their life didn't turn a corner right away. You know, like you look at Abraham. Abraham, he leaves, he, he goes to a new country and God speaks to him and he says, I'm gonna bless the world through you. Your offspring is gonna be plentiful. They're going to fill everything in every way. And then the Lord shows up in Genesis 15, and he's saying, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, he's saying, Jeremiah, he's saying, don't be afraid, Abram, say Abram. He didn't say Abraham, he said Abram. He said, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceeding great reward. And Abram said, whoa, God, yeah. That's not what he said. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I'm childless in the air of my house as a servant from Damascus? I mean, if you are the big fellow, why does my life suck? If you are the one who's made and you have, every time you show up, you keep on, hey, it's me, your shield, your great reward, hey! And Abraham just went, yeah, whatever. Where's the stuff? Where's the stuff? Where's, where's the operation of your word in my life? Because I'm tired of words. Nice to see you, but by the way, I'd love it if you come through for a change. Hey, don't talk to God like that. I like it that Henry says, God's not afraid of wise. He's not afraid of wise. He's ready to answer wise. And Abraham straight up said, hello, I wouldn't mind the promise if you don't mind. You know, God came to him again, and when God visited him a second time, he, he came to him, and he said, this time next year, you're going to have a child. And, you know, that was when his name was changed from Abram to Abraham. And you see, you know what happened when he changed his name from Abram to Abraham? You know what he added to his name? He added to his name the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. That's what he added. He added one letter. He added one letter to his name, so it went from Abram to Abraham. And what he added was that fifth letter. The fifth letter, you pronounce the fifth letter, hey, say hey. And hey, it's literally come forth, creative realm. It's come forth. It's literally creative realm. Let there be a manifestation. And hey stands for, fifth letter, five, stands for grace. What did he add to Abraham's life? Grace. He spoke grace into the situation. You know what he also did? Until that point, all the time, it was Sarai and Abram. And he changed it from Abraham to Abraham and Sarah. Because he added it to hers, too. He added grace to their lives. And here's a 99-year-old man getting a promise that this time next year you're going to have a son. And he's like, dude, you got no idea what's going on down here. <laughs> a little blue pill ain't going to fix this. 
and Sarah, she's in the tent, chuckle, 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 ah, and he's like, yeah, I heard you. In fact, I heard you clear, loud and clear. Do you know what you're going to name your son, Sarah, when he comes? You're going to name him laughter. That's what Isaac means, laughter. Because I tell you, you're going to have a child. You might think it's impossible. But you know what? Abraham and Sarah then had to go the next day. They had to wake up and they had to speak over each other. Every, every day of their lives until now, they'd said, Abram and Sarai. But now for the first time, every day they woke up and said, Abraham and Sarah. And they spoke and they loosed the grace of God into the situation. Hey! Turn to your neighbor and say, hey! Come forth, creative realm. We need that to come forth in our society right now. We need a massive manifestation of the grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So we got, we got another fellow. We got, uh, we got David. We got David. First uh, Samuel chapter 16, verse 9. Samuel takes the horn and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. From that day, David would have been like a teenager. And, and his father didn't even bring him. When the prophet said, one of your sons is going to be king, the father didn't even bring David as a son. Didn't even bring him out. Because he said, he's not really my son. I don't believe he's my son. My wife says he is, but I don't believe it. And see, the tradition goes that, you know, he, he'd been messing around with other people and his wife got a little upset. So she actually, you know, played a, a bit of a, a loose woman, got him all drunk, and, and, and she got pregnant. And that's kind of Jewish history. He, he never believed that the child that she gave birth to was his. And so David was always, and that's why he was out in the field taking care of the sheep, because that's where you send servants, not sons. But then, boom, calls in a son, and sure enough, they're all shocked. Oh my goodness, David. Was David? David's my beloved. Strange, isn't it? Beloved. And then sure enough, here comes David, he gets anointed. And you know what happened right when he was anointed to be the new king over all of Israel? You know what he did? He got a purple robe and a scepter, and he started to walk around the house. Bow down to me, you swine! Stop it! I'm done with the sheep, father! You know what he did? He went back to the sheep. Went back, sheep. How many of you got crazy anointings on your life? Words spoken over you. God's going to use you in great big ways. Great things going to be done in and through you. And where are you now? Back with the sheep. Because you know what? You don't take the word of God in your own hands. That word has its own power to perform it. And you know what? You just submit to it. You just watch it. And you know what? It'll come forth. And often it's amazing how his word is made perfect even in weakness. All right, so he goes back to the sheep years and years later. It says, send David, who is with the sheep later on. Saul, Saul, who was king, used to have David come and play for him because David was an amazing musician. He didn't just play an instrument. Some people say, oh, it doesn't matter how we play our instruments. Oh, it does. The word of God says, play your instrument skillfully. And you see, David, when he came, it says he played the instrument skillfully and he sang to Saul and the demonic spirits would leave him. And it's important to do that well. David had such amazing skill to bring the presence of God that the king, Saul at the time, called in this kid to come and to play for him so he could experience deliverance. But where was David? Where did David learn all of this? Where did David develop all this? In the field with the sheep. 
You might be doing something. You might be, and there's Henry. He's, he's nailing two by fours together. He's framing houses. What's he doing? He's practicing reigning and ruling. He's practicing dominion. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you are developing the skill to manifest because you are a king. You are reigning and ruling over a purpose of God. And you know, don't wait to arrive somewhere. Be it right now in that place. Manifest skill and power and authority right where you are. So David, it took years. It was a good 14 years later before David actually was manifested forward as the king of Israel. David in Psalm 56, he said, my enemies, they hound me all day for there are many who fight against me. Oh, most high. Whenever I am afraid, I put my trust in you. I don't, it's not that I never get afraid. It's when I do get afraid, I put my trust in you. I will praise his word. Oh God, I have put my trust in you. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. David had so many struggles. You look at his journey from when he was anointed king to when that was actually manifested his life it was nothing but trouble every day of his life but you know what david hung on to the word he hung on to what god had promised him he sang about it. he declared it even in the midst of trouble he still declared god i trust you amen so that's abraham that's david a couple guys who went through some things where this doesn't seem right your word over me and what i'm experiencing they seem to be contradictory but you know what we're going to experience abundance in the place of affliction three people said amen. If you're in a place right now, you are set up. If you're in a place of weakness, you are a candidate for God to visit you in a big way. Anybody in a place of weakness right now? Man, if you're not, you should be. I take because without God, we can't do a stinking thing. But thank God, I will glory in my infirmities. I will glory in my weaknesses because in that, he is made perfect. When I'm weak, I am strong. That's a massive contradiction. We got the whole church trying to learn lessons on how to be strong, how to be strong, how to be strong, how to be strong. We're going to give a sermon on how to be weak. What? I came for a TED Talk to give me three lessons on how to be awesome every day of my life. Here's how to be awesome every day of your life. Say, I can't do a thing, but thank God. Take this vacant space that is nothing and fill it with yourself, and I trust you to make something of this void of existence. God takes the weak things of this world, the, the foolish things of this world, to confound the wise. Any special people here today? Any foolish people here today? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A lot of emphasis on the I. I can. You can't do a thing without him. Not a thing. Hey, let's, let's look at the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 10. He says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord. I got this thorn in the flesh. I got this annoyance that is pursuing me every day of my life. It's not an affliction in his body, but it's this constant being chased by misunderstanding, conflict. I got these Judaizers. Everywhere I go, people show up and they oppose my ministry. Everywhere I go, people show up. They curse me. They, they, they accuse me. They limit me. I mean, it's every day of my life. I mean, throw me a bomb here. But he said every day of his life, he went through this constant state of affliction. And he said, I pleaded with the Lord three times that this might depart from me. He said to me, here's what the Lord said. You ready? Here's the promise. Yay, finally you have pleaded with me. I shall remove it from you. You shall experience no more hardship for the rest of your life. Woo! It's not what he said. It's not what he said. Here's what he said. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my accomplishments 
the great things I have done for God. How awesome I am at remembering and memorizing scriptures. How awesome I am at praying. And I am pretty awesome at praying, by the way. What he says, he said, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. I take pleasure in my infirmities. Woo! Another day of infirmity. Yeah! Woo! Man, pastor, what do you have for breakfast? Yikes. Fruit Loops, apparently, because he's loopy. Who doesn't love Fruit Loops? Look, I mean, this is right here. This is Paul. This is Paul, the greatest apostle. The guy who, who wrote half of the New Testament. The guy who just had revelation. The guy who showed us what's really at work behind the scenes in your salvation. Look what he says. He says, I will, I will rather boast and take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, and in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. Please settle down. <laughs> well, I went to church today and pastor wants me to take pleasure in my difficulties and trials. He wants me to take pleasure in that person at work that is so annoying. Every time I walk in, they go, you didn't do this yesterday. <laughs> you know, you could have done that better. <laughs> Deliver me from that person, Father. Remove them. Move them to another department. Please, Lord. Then you walk in and go, I love you. You know what? I, I, I was praying about you. I take pleasure that you're on my floor. I take pleasure that you're in my life. I rejoice that you're there to hound me and bicker at me and point stuff out every day. Woo! It's so exciting to have you in my life. That's what he's saying. Rejoice in that. Anybody with me? How many like rejoicing in that? How many complainers out there? These people work with me here at the office. I complain about them all the time. What's the matter with you? Thank you, Father. He says, I boast in that. You know, the devil exploits your weaknesses to accuse you. But you know, the Lord says, man, it's God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. Your weakness and God is a perfect match. What a great sermon this is. My weakness and God's power is a perfect match. I want to bring to you, Father, all my strengths. I'll pass on that. Where are you really a screw-up? Well, I can't do this. Well, I can't do that. Ah, let's start there. I can use that. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. It's made perfect. Second Corinthians chapter 10, great, great thing. It says, uh, Paul, uh, verse 10 in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians 10. They said, for his letters, they're, they're strong. Yeah, his letters are weighty and powerful. But you know, his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. This is Paul. This is the communication he got from a church that he started. You exist because I came and preached the gospel. You're a part of the kingdom. You even know God because I came out of nowhere with nothing and I preached to you the gospel. You, your very existence is because I fathered you. You're my offspring. And here's what I get from my offspring. You know, he's got body odor, kind of smelly, doesn't look very good. 
And on top of that, he's, he's, he's a mumbler. He can't even preach very well. I mean, my God, he writes us these letters. He's pretty powerful in letters. But honestly, his presence and his speech, it's awful. And Paul is defending himself because there's other ministries coming in, taking offerings and, and raping the church, taking and stealing and messing up with their, their relationship with God. And then they're like, yeah, we don't care much about Paul. You know, He's not much to look at. And, and by the way, he, uh, he mumbles. <laughs> so Paul gets a little weird and he starts going, oh, you know what? I'm going to glory in my weaknesses because my weakness and his strength is a perfect match. In your weakness, when it's turned towards people, you get defeated. If you turn your weakness towards people, you get defeated. But if you turn your weakness to him, it gets powerfully injected with his goodness and grace. And it's all about grace and not performance. If your life is about performance, you're going to be so disappointed and so frustrated. But if you stop performing for people and start trusting God, he's going to start working through you. Stop performing for people and start trusting God and he's going to work through you. And where a lot of people's disappointment comes is, I mean, Paul, Paul was like, this is stupid. I can't believe I'm talking like this, but you guys, you guys who exist because of me, I cannot believe the way you treat me. Even the apostle Paul, the revelation he had, the churches that he planted, they bickered at him, backbited and did all kinds of nonsense. Thank God that doesn't happen here because all I ever get from you are happy emails and nice stories. And by the way, I'm good looking and I don't mumble. My wife says I mumble, but I say she's hard of hearing. Hard of hearing. Amen. Acts chapter 27. I'm going to go really fast. You ready? Acts chapter 27. I love this passage because here's Paul. I mean, his whole life, you look at it, it's difficulties. I mean, he's whipped, he's beaten, he's shipwrecked, all kinds of stuff. But this is him now. He's headed to Rome. He's headed, headed here. He's in the, the final stages of his journey in life, and he's supposed to go to Rome. And through Rome, he's going to minister. The gospel's going to go all over the world. But on his way to Rome, he's with a centurion, and he's, he's uh, there with a whole bunch of other prisoners on their way to Rome to to be heard at Rome. And this centurion, he's picking a ship to go on. And they go on this one ship and had a rough journey and they're about to jump on it again. And he turns to the centurion and says, this isn't a good, good journey. We, we shouldn't go on this ship. He, he said, don't, don't do this. He says, man, I perceive that this voyage will end in a disaster and much loss. And the centurion, he decided to talk to the captain and the people in the ship. And they said, we're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. What does he know about the ocean and shipping and everything? And that's nonsense. But Paul's going, I'm telling you right now, this is not going to go out. But they went anyways. They went anyway. So sure enough, you read on. It says, then Paul, they run into hardships. They run into difficulties. They're in a terrible storm. They got to anger themselves. They're holding on for dear life. And here's Paul. Paul stood in the midst of them. He said, men, you should have listened to me. You got something like that? Told you. I told you. And straight up, Paul's saying, I told you. I told you that this wasn't going to go well. And they're like, oh, shut up. He said, this isn't going to go well for you. He says, he says, we should have not sailed from Crete. We, we know, and we've incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you, though, to take heart, for there will be no loss of life, but the ship and everything will be lost. For there stood by me an angel of the Lord who told me that everything that belongs whom I serve, the one whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid. And he said, we're going to lose everything. He said, but every single life is going to be saved. And what's interesting, about this is every single life is going to be saved, but here's the Lord's word to Paul. The ship is going to go. You're all going to go down. The storm is going to be nasty. It's, it's, everything's going to go under. You're going to have to swim for your life to get to an island, but don't be afraid. <laughs> Hold on a minute. I was reading a little earlier in the Gospels, and it says you spoke to the storm, and it stopped. And I was listening to that part where Peter said he got out of the boat and he walked on the water. So how that would be really cool for these guys to see a real miracle. I'm telling them, the ship's going down, we'll swim for our life, and God's going to save us. 
That whole thing could be just a coincidence. We swam for our lives. How about a much better story? We walk on water and the storm is over. That would be so much better. You know, even through a difficulty, God promised them that they're going to make it. And sure enough, they made it. They get the land. Now Paul's on land. And here it is. Paul decides we're going to make a fire because we're all kind of tired and wet. And let's dry off our clothes. So he goes and he gets some twigs and he pulls them all together. And sure enough, he gets bit by a snake. So he gets bit by the snake. And then all the islanders are going, oh, that's a bad one. That's a poisonous one. We're going to stand and watch it die. Some of your friends got bit by some circumstances, bit by something, and instead of being helpful, everybody stands around, ah, he's done, he's history, he's done, it's over. And that's what they did. They all stood back and said, watch him, he's toast. Then he shook it off, went, made the fire, continued, went on, you know, got some beans, started making some beans, carrying it. They're looking at him, my God, why isn't he dying? So then here's how fickle people are. You're going to die, you're an evil man. Oh, he's not dying. You're a God, you must be God. I mean, that's, that's how quickly things turn. Amen? Boom, so boom, suddenly he's, he's not. He's like, wow, he shook the creature off into the fire. However, they were expecting it to swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they'd looked a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he is God. Wow, what an amazing day this was. What an, this stuff really happened. This is the history of the apostle Paul. This is the guy who brought us all of this revelation in the New Testament. This is the guy why most of us are here today is because he went as an apostle, sent forth and spread the gospel. That's why so many of the churches in the world are around today is because of him and his faithfulness through this weakness, through these difficulties. He trusted God to do what he promised. That row right there, give them a gold star when they get out. Please, can you give a little badge? Say thank you, first class. All right. Still time for you to be a part of that if you want to get a little more excited. Thank you, Bob. You get a silver star because I had to prod it out of you. you know, anyway. All right. So here he's God. So, so then they find out that the, the father of Publius lay sick, the leader of the whole island. He lay sick with a fever and dysentery. So Paul went and he prayed for him, laid his hands on him, he was healed. So when this was done, the rest of the whole island, anybody who had any sickness or any disease came and Paul healed them all and they had a massive revival and the whole island came to Jesus. And it all started with an argument with a centurion saying, we shouldn't go right now. It's not a good idea. Uh, we're going to go. You know, they went through that. They went through shipwreck. They went through swimming in the sea, gasping for air, pulling themselves on the beach, getting bit by a snake in a fire. And then, boom, a whole island comes to Jesus. Yeah! Thank God he didn't fall in the ocean. I'm done with this. I'm sick and tired of serving God. I am done with you. It's nothing but trouble. And then when I ask you for a break, you say, my grace is sufficient for you. Thanks for that. <laughs> Paul said, I glory in my tribulations. I glory in my difficulties. I glory in accusations. Because when I'm weak, he is strong. Hey, hey, five little observations. I got to move really fast. You ready? Five little observations. Number one, bad things happen to good people. Any good people here today? Oh, that was bad right there saying you're good. 
bad things happen. They, they happen. I mean, man, I tell you. And, you know, bad, just because a bad thing happened, it doesn't define you. Second thing, we often share in the results of other people's bad choices. Sometimes we find ourselves going through things because somebody else made a really bad decision. And here we are going, oh, I got food poisoning. I told you not to come to this restaurant. You know, you wanted to come here. Fantastic. Sometimes people make bad choices and you suffer. Number three, you often have to endure the opinions of other people. Oh, look at him. His life really sucks right now. He must be evil. Look where he's at right now. What a mess. What a mess he's going through. Clearly, the blessing of God's not in his life. I mean, look what he's going through right now. He must be really screwed up. Oh, my God. You know, nobody would go through that if they clearly didn't deserve it. You know, and that's what people do. A lot of people looked at Paul. You see, I know that about Paul. Why? Because Paul had to write Timothy and tell him, don't be ashamed of my chains. A lot of people are saying, what a loser. Paul's in jail now. Don't be ashamed of my chains. There's purpose in my chains. There's a purpose that I'm in this jail right now. Don't be ashamed of my chains. And a lot of time we judge things well before it's time. And somebody's in the middle of a journey and you think, yeah, look at them. That's something screwed up with their life. Oh, shut up. Oh, pastor, we don't tell our kids. I tell our kids not to say that. It's in the Bible. I'll show you later. It's right beside stupid. All right. In every hardship, you should exercise your faith. If a snake bites you, shake it off. If someone says something nasty to you, shake it off. Don't be so thin-skinned. Shake it off. Let it go. Say, shake it off. Turn to your other neighbor. Say, shake it off. If somebody comes to you with some nonsense, tell them to shake it off. Shake it off. You got to loosen and exercise your faith. The fifth thing, a breakthrough. Your breakthrough will bring the freedom to others. Your breakthrough will bring freedom to others. It will always happen. So you got to hang on. I'm finishing right now. I'm finishing right now. Say amen, pastor. I'm finishing right now. Job 42. Here's another guy who went through some difficult stuff, and people are still trying to figure out whose fault that was. But here's a guy who went through some difficult stuff. But you know what? You know what's important? The end of a matter is important. That's important. Here's the end of the matter. It says, now the Lord blessed him in the latter days. The latter days of Job were blessed. He had double of everything he had at the start. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. I mean, he was blessed. You look and you study that, and he was blessed. He had double of everything he had. Kids and homes and lands, boom. The guy was incredibly blessed. You ready? I want to say something to you. Put it on the screen for me. Can you put it on the screen for me? Right there. Is it on the screen? Right there. No, go back to the, the verse just for me right there. You see that? See? No. Okay, go to the next one. There. Stop there. Praise Jesus. You ready? After this. After this. After this. After this. There's something after this. There's something great after this. I tell you, after this, it says, after this, Job lived 140 years, and he saw his children and his grandchildren for four generations. So he died old and full of days. After this, after this, there's a lot of people stuck in this. There's a lot of people just, oh, this. There's a lot of people just messed up with this, but I'm telling you, after this. There's something after this. There's something big after this. You know, the enemy might want to knock the snot out of you and, and just say you believe in for stuff. Look at you, you powerless, wimpy church. I'm telling you, after this. Don't judge what's going on right now. Don't worry about it. Don't fret. Don't worry about a thing. How come we're praying and nothing's happening? That was a really strong prayer today, Pastor. You expect COVID left the whole city. I believe it did. Then some dummy will bring it back. There is an after this. 
There's an after this for you. There's an after this for whatever you're in. You know what? If you're in a place of weakness, you're in a place of desperation, don't worry about it. Hand it to Jesus. Hand it over to God because there's an after this. And after this, his grace is going to be made perfect in your weakness. God's going to do something powerful. You might look and say, man, the churches are struggling. I'm getting things sent to me, emails sent to me. Man, churches have lost 60% of their members. People aren't coming back to church. They're struggling. Things are going on. What are you guys doing? Well, we're selling our building to buy a bigger one. (laughs) You know why? Because after this. There's something after this. This isn't where we are. This is just something we're going through. We might be swimming like crazy in the middle of a storm, but after this, the shipwreck turns into a revival. After this, the shipwreck turns into seeing a whole island brought to Jesus. After this, everybody gets healed. After this, there's a wild breakthrough of the eternal purpose of heaven. Come on, stand up with me. Stand up with me. Got to let you go. Got to let you go. Can you bow your heads and pray? Everybody praying. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Man, I hope that pierces your heart right now. And sometimes there is. There's so many divine paradoxes. There's so many times we enter into something. And what you believe God said, what I'm living in, what I'm experiencing right now doesn't seem close to what I believe God put in my heart after this. After this, I'm telling you, God is faithful to his word and you gotta trust him right now in the midst of that paradox because God is at work for you. He would not give you a faulty word. He would not give you something that didn't have the power to perform what he laid in your heart. So don't get sucked into the nonsense. If there's weakness, give it up to Jesus. Don't perform and don't pretend that you're not struggling. Just give it to the Lord. Trust him with it and your weakness will turn into God's absolute perfection. So, Father, we bless you right now in the name of Jesus. We're all praying right now. We're praying right now. Listen, if you're here today and you wandered in or you're watching online or you're watching a video later on, listen, there's something after this for you. And God's ready to pour his grace upon you, his unmerited favor in your life. And I want to pray for you. If you've never said, Lord, be my Lord, be my Savior, he's ready to give you beauty for ashes. He's ready to give you the oil of joy for mourning. He's ready to give you a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. But you got to be willing to trade. you got to be willing to say, take my weakness. Don't cover it. Don't pretend. Don't say, I'm okay, because you're not. He'll give you beauty for ashes, but you got to trade. He'll give you the oil of joy for mourning, but you got to trade. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the comfort of God is ready to be poured on your life. So if you're here today, I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. If you've never said, be my Lord, be my Savior, but you want to today, you want to say, I want to trade up. I want to trade up. I want to give you my weakness for your perfection. If you're here today, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. When I count to three, would you raise your hand really high or online? Just raise your hand. You ready? One, two, three. Just put your hand up very high. Very, very high. Say, be my Savior. Be my Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, you can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for you right now. We're all going to pray. We're all going to lift up our voice. Lord Jesus, thank you that you became poor for me, that I might become very, very rich. Thank you that you've embraced my weakness. You've embraced my struggles, and they're swallowed up in your grace. I receive you as my Lord and as my Savior. My sins are forgiven. I am healed, and I am free in Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. 
let me bless you and let you go. If you need prayer today, there's people ready to pray for you up here. You put yourself on that yellow line, and there's a couple of people going to pray for you. If you need prayer, otherwise going to bless you, let you go. Sorry we went a little longer today. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> Father, we do bless you. Father, I bless each and every one here today. Thank you so much for them. Thank you that there is an after this for them. There's an after this for every one of us. This isn't our destiny. This isn't a, uh, this is this is something we're going through. But thank you that there's a door of hope in the valley of trouble and you've opened it and thank you that we are going through though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death we fear no evil for you are with us so father we thank you that there is an after this for us right now there's an after this and we are preparing for the after this we are giving you we're not pretending we're not you know pontificating and blah 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 we're handing you our weakness because we know that you will perfect it and you'll manifest your glory thank you for your grace it's really not fair but thank you for your grace that you've poured liberally in each of our lives. So I bless each one now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' precious name, amen.